and thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. All right, let's sing it a prayer here. Uh, wondrous Jesus, we love you. Oh, Jesus, you're just so good. Thank you for, for what you've done in our lives, Lord. You've redeemed us, made us your own, Lord Jesus, given us new life. Thank you, Jesus. And Heavenly Father, we just love you. Father, we just thank you that, that we can be called your kids. The Father, Father, oh, it's so wonderful, God, to be able to call you Papa. Oh, we love you. We just ask, Father... And Lord Jesus, we just ask you today that you would encourage every heart this morning. Every heart, Father, would be encouraged today in their walk before you and walk with you. And Lord, if there's anyone who doesn't know you, Jesus, thank you. They're going to they're gonna know you today. They're going to come face to face with you, Lord Jesus. They're going to have an encounter with you. We love you, Lord Jesus. So if I was going to put a a title to today, today's message would be The Beauty of Walking with God. Yeah, it's uh, walking. It, it, isn't just amazing that God lets us walk with him to walk with God? Oh, wow. So the first, that expression is a rare expression in the scriptures. And it's the first reference to it was Enoch. And um, so if, if you want to join me, it's in Genesis 5. <clears throat> now, it's interesting. Have, this is the chapter. It has all the people lived like 800, 900 years old, you know. And, uh, and it says, so-and-so uh, lived so many years, 800 years, had sons and daughters, and died. Yeah. And it repeats that. Over and over again, so and so had all these sons and daughters lived long and died. Okay? <laughs> but <clears throat> but when it gets to Enoch, it uses it's different. Let's look at verse um, uh, verse twenty two. After he became the father, after Enoch became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. For three hundred years, and yet, and yet, other sons and daughters. The entire lifetime of Enoch was three hundred sixty-five years. Enoch walked with God, and then he disappeared because God took him away. So twice there refers to he walked with God, and it was just you look at this. You read, go back and read it sometime. You'll see this. This that all this pattern. You know, they lived so many years, had sons and daughters, died. You know, over and over again. We get to Enoch. Enoch lived so many years and walking with God, you know. <clears throat> now he is Enoch is in is in the Hall of Fame in Hebrews eleven, and it's interesting. It doesn't words that's a little bit different, but the principle is the same. It says by faith. This is Hebrews chapter eleven verse. We're going to look at verses 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. 
For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Now, now it's he brought pleasure to God. He brought God delight. You know, when I'm with a friend walking, it's we're we're enjoying one another's company. God enjoyed. God enjoyed Enoch's company, and Enoch enjoyed God's company. They were a pleasure to one another. Because of that, it's, and it's beautiful, this is, Enoch's story is simple. You know, the reason why this passage really stood out to me as I was reading it recently was, you know, all these great men of God, you look at the Hebrews chapter 11, now all their accomplishments. They fought this. They won this kingdom. They da, da, da. And he didn't really, it doesn't really mention in here in the Hall of Fame that he accomplished anything except he walked with God. And it's like the Lord was saying, Jonathan, I know you want to get famous someday. You know, I know you want to be a great minister and all this stuff. Um, but why don't you just be happy that, that you're walking with me? You know, find your contentment in me alone. In uh, Psalms 16, this is a messianic psalm. He says here, basically, he says, The Lord is my portion. The Lord alone is my portion and my cup. The Lord alone. God, you're our joy. Just knowing you, that's enough. We love you. We love you. So today I'm going to be talking a little bit about the beauty of walking with God. We're going to cover a couple of principles about walking with God. And uh, the first is the, the fear of the Lord. Now you might think, oh, that's not very beautiful. It is. Right? Because we might not always think of the fear of the Lord the way the, way the Lord does. In Proverbs 1 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Because if you want to know Him, your heart's got to be, has got to be humble before Him, revering, Oh God, you're the one I want to know. All my preconceptions I have of you, Lord, I lay at your feet. I want to know you. Lord, I'm, I'm not going to hold anything against you because you're always right. That's what the fear of the Lord is basically saying is acknowledging that He is always right. Okay? He's worthy of our honor worthy of our obedience and worthy to be believed in that he is good. So the fear of the Lord, and it's at least in this mature form, never questions God's goodness. <clears throat> he reveres him, believes that he is who he say he is. So if, if you want to grow in your knowledge of him, the first step is, Lord, I don't know everything, Lord. I need to, I need to know you more, Lord. I, I come before you humbly. I'm here before you. In Psalm 111.10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And in Proverbs 22.4, it talks about, in the same sentence, it talks about that the fear of the Lord and humility bring riches and honor in life. So if you want to be wealthy in any area, of course, the greatest area of wealth is wealth in your, in your, in your relationship with him. You know, it's uh, that walking in humility and the fear of the Lord 
That's a beautiful thing. Now, Jesus himself delighted in the fear of the Lord. So let's look at that passage. That's Isaiah 11. This is a messianic passage. Jesus is, you know, um, he's, uh, he was referred to, the Messiah was referred to as the branch. This is Hebrews, this is Isaiah 11. It says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and the might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So here's the Messiah. The spirit of the Lord is on him. This is called the sevenfold spirit. There's many dimensions to the Holy Spirit. One is he's the spirit of the, of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So the, the spirit of this knowledge and fear of the Lord were rested on, on Jesus. And he is a human. He is fully God and fully man. But he, he learned to be reverent, to always look to his father. God, what are you doing? It's you I want to honor. It's you I want to please. So he delighted in that place of the reverence and fear of the Lord. In Proverbs 14, 27, it refers to the fear of the Lord as the wellspring of life. You, wanna, you want to overflow, your life to overflow, that abundant life that Jesus promised? It starts with God, your God, Jesus, your Lord. Your death on the cross for me is sufficient. It's believing what he says, even though our logic might say, hey, that couldn't be true. God couldn't be that good, you know. <clears throat> One more passage about the fear of the Lord that I want to read is um, Luke, Luke 19. So I want to contrast what is the fear of the Lord versus being afraid of God. So this is the parable of the of the ten minas. A mina was a three months wage. So it's a lot of money. Think of what you'd be making in three months. Okay, that's what that's what a mina is. And uh, we're gonna look at just we're gonna look at there's these three people who were entrusted. God believed in each one. He gave each one a bunch of money to invest. He believed in each one. He loved. He was kind, and he believed the best in each one. And he gave, to one he gave five minus, to another he gave two minus, and to the third one he gave one minus. Verse 20. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you do not put in and reap what you do not sow. And of course, he gets greatly reprimanded and worse uh, from the master. So, the, um, the first two saw the master for who he was. Someone good who had entrusted with them, that believed in them. The third one he believed conspiracy theories. 
about his master. <laughs> right? <laughs> Instead of believing the obvious, the God that this, the master entrusted with him with something, he decided to believe a lie. Oh, by the way, today was a great, great worship morning for me. This gentleman right over here, right over there. That's my oldest son, David. Back from North Carolina to stay. Oh, where's Catherine? Where art thou? And there's Catherine. This lovely lady up here singing incredibly beautiful. That's my youngest daughter, Catherine. So proud of her. Her boyfriend, James. I'm just embarrassing right now. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy. And, of course, my lovely wife did that a wonderful transition. So it was a very proud moment for me. So when God says he's good, the fear of the Lord says, I will believe it. When God says he loves you, that you're dear to him, you've got to believe it. You know, it might not make sense. You know, I, I, uh, I'm going to read something I've written down here. So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we're, we're going to get to the next step that we're just trusting in the Lord. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding, right? So my logic tells me I don't deserve his goodness, that God would have every reason to be upset with me, to be disappointed in me, to not be gracious to me, to not entrust me with anything, to not protect me because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes careless, so I definitely don't deserve his protection, you know. Um, but instead, he's, he's inviting me to believe in his faithfulness and his goodness. So the fear of the Lord is very, is very related to trust, which is the next, which is the next uh, thing we're going to do. Now, the fear of the Lord is, there is, when we, the fear of the Lord says, God, you're right, and what you say is true. Commercial interruption. Yeah. Is this too loud or something? No, it's too close to your nose. Too close to my nose? To my nose or to my mouth? I'm trying to get it closer. There we go. Thanks. So basically, the fear of the Lord says, is that better? Okay, he'll fix it. All right. That uh, <clears throat> sounds muffled, but anyway, I'll go ahead. I'll, you'll fix it, dude. He's a sound engineer, so he better fix it. All right. Um, the, the fear of the Lord says, God, you're right in everything you do. You're believable in everything you say. But also that if he warns us, it means to be taken seriously. Okay. So, that I, you know, I don't want to dismiss that. There's, we take seriously everything he says, including his warnings. All right. Let's move on to trusting in God. Proverbs 3 Five and six, trust in the Lord with all your heart, all your heart, and lean out on your own understanding. So I remember a, a, a man I respect in the Lord who prophesied over me when I was like 17 years old or so. And that in that prophecy, he was that, was that, 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 this verses, because he knew, by the way, I'm a scientist. I'm a, an organic synthetic chemist. I spend my time, or used to spend my time, and now I'm do mostly desk work, but in the lab. Now, I was a mad scientist, you know, mixes chemicals, creates new things, you know. Drugs, makes drugs. <laughs> no. These are investigational drugs. 
reviewed by the FDA, et cetera. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's okay. Keeps on moving. Chasing a moving target. Yeah, maybe I'm too excited or something. No, no. Fine. Okay. So trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Yeah, that's the, that's the, what God's inviting us to. By saying that, he's saying, I'm trustworthy. And I remember years ago, because I knew that God wanted me to trust him. You know, I'd grit my teeth, God, I trust in you. I trust in you. I trust. I needed the grace of God to help me trust in him. You know, it's not a matter of gritting your teeth. I'm going to trust in you, God. I'm trusting you. Your heaven, my own father through the years has been great. He has helped me to calm my heart, yeah. give me the grace to trust, to trust in him. And part of that is because he's revealed more of himself. When I know how good he is, then it's easy to trust in him. Yeah. Let's go to Psalm 52, uh, verse 8 and 9. But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. For what you've done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people, and I will hope in your name, for your name is good. I trust in God's unfailing love. So the, one of the keys to flourishing before in life, God and everything, is to trust in his unfailing love for you. Trust in his unfailing love. In some, another psalm, um, Psalm 13, verses, verse 5 says, But I trust, this is David talk, praying to the Lord, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. So trusting in his goodness. <clears throat> Even when your logic might say, I don't deserve this. How could God see that in me? It can't be true. You've got to believe it. One of the things that God has helped me to believe through the years is that, that he is a good father, a successful father. Very good in fathering, including fathering me. <laughs> yeah. He will get me from A to B. From this kid through spiritual adolescence to spiritual adulthood, I feel right now I'm probably like I really feel like more like an 18 year old. I feel like I, I, you know, I'm le- I, adulthood. It's it's uh, I'm, I'm actually learning to be. You know how teens they, they have this sometimes overconfidence and the, you know, you know I just feel like that sort of part is sort of just beginning in my life. You know. So I could say, like me, like a 17-year-old. I feel like a 17-year-old spiritually. God is faithful what he's begun in you. He will complete. He's a good father. He's a very successful father. He will father you to his desired end. That's, a, that's Philippians 1, 6 that promises that to you, and you can stand on it. <clears throat> It says, oh, I'm going to read it from the New English translation. I like it a little bit better. So I use all kinds of translations all the time. One thing I like about the New English translation are the, the footnotes. goes, 
most translations don't explain why they translate so and so. At the most, they'll say at the bottom, or, but they don't say why they chose this one over that one. Uh, the English translation will often go through all the Greek and the Hebrew, giving three or four different possible interpretations and why this one is probably the better one. You know, and <clears throat> so it's a. Uh, um, allows me when they, when they give the, expl- the explanation allows me to say no actually I don't agree with what you just said because I you know he, it makes it easier to make to make your own your own judgment I got carried away oh yeah Philippians 1 6 For I am sure of this very thing. This is a spark to God. So God's pretty sure of this very thing. That the one who began a good work in you will perfect it, will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He's a great father. Great fathering skills. And uh, um, he, he usually knows better what we need in the moment than we think you know and um, um, we might think I've been many times in my walk with God I felt God I should you know I should spiritually I should be way over here but I feel like I'm just like the same struggle it's just like repeating itself over and over again God when in this world will I ever overcome this but God does he is faithful and he, he will do it so you can trust him to do that can trust him with your destiny. Um, Psalms 31 verses 14 and 15. So he says, But I trust in you. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. So you can trust him. You can trust him with your, your future because another translation has where it says time is destiny. My destinies are in your hands. Like Abraham... God's given us different promises and sometimes we try to help him make those promises come to pass. You know? <laughs> and so I've done that before. You know? But God said, hey, will you trust me? You know? Now, his timing is not always our timing. You know? But trusting him. One of the beautiful things about being able to trust in him is then, you, then your heart can rest and go to that place of greatest pleasure, and that is enjoying Him. You know, <clears throat> when you're trying to figure everything out and trying to make everything happen, then you're not doing what you were designed to do, which is enjoy Him. Trusting God with outcomes. You know, we all notice of this passage we had just read. It says, you know. Um, talks about he talked about hope so trust is very linked to hope when your heart's fully trust in him then your heart is stirred and you start you start anticipating and looking forward to things 
you know. But we often may have a specific outcome what we think should happen. But full trust, trust God with the outcomes. You know, like right now, I, I really want Carlos Alcaraz to beat Djokovic in, in, the, in the Wimbledon that's going on right now. <laughs> and this morning, I'm watching the game early for church. I just so badly want Carlos to win, you know. God saying, John, just enjoy the game. Trust me with the outcome. Yeah. But that's what, on a more serious note, there's things in life. We, we have specific things, you know, desires to surface. And, and we might even pray that they happen that way. And believe in faith it'll happen that way. Um, and there is a place for believing for specific outcomes. But I think the Lord is wanting to challenge us also to trust Him with outcomes. You know, you, you could spend all your life trying to make, by faith, trying to make certain things happen, and then you lose the whole purpose of life, which is enjoying God, loving, you know, loving Him. Romans 8, 28 says, you know, that all things work together for good. So we will trust Him that He is going to work things out together for good. Contentment. So that's what we're designed. You know, remember I said earlier, the Lord is my alone. It's my portion. And Paul, Paul had discovered that secret along with David. And in uh, Philippians, we're going to go there. Even when things aren't, weren't going his way, the outcomes weren't going the way he wanted. He says, I've learned the secret of being content even when things are not going as I had hoped for. Then in the very next verse, he says, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. And that is being able to enjoy God at all times, even when the outcomes have not gone the way, the way you wished. All right, I'm going to switch gears a little bit because it might, you might think that everything's been hunky-dory for me in my walk with God. It's far from true. Um, so this book I wrote, this was, came out in 2018. This is, if you want to know my story, this goes into the greatest, more of all the pain and suffering, emotional pain and suffering I went through especially in my teen and young adult years. This is called The Joy of Thinking With You. The subtitle is Heart and Mind Joined in Loving God. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so one of the areas that the enemy um, robbed for me for so long was being able to enjoy his righteousness, that he, that Jesus is my righteousness. You know, I um, um, <clears throat> basically walking with heaviness and condemnation, guilt, feeling like you're always disappointing God, you're always messing things up. Um, that was probably described most of my walk, walk with God. Anything but joyful. I remember, God, a lot of you have heard this before. I was, uh, so I came to know the Lord when I was six years old. 
but by the time of 12, I was already struggling with depression and stuff. And um, I call religious obsessive compulsive disorder. You know, I wanted so much to please the Lord. So the, the fear of the Lord was there. But I, I hung on to what logic told me, you know, that, that I wasn't deserving the da-da-da-da. And that I deserved to be really hard on myself, you know. You know, I didn't ever, you know how the, in the medieval times, you know, how they, the, the monks would get them, whoosh, whoosh. You know, I essentially was doing that to myself you know, the, the whole time. And uh, the, what, were, what was the switch? I remember, so I remember as a kid, when Jesus would say, you know, if you don't love father, mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. And I knew the great commandment, love the Lord your God above all things, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I, my heart felt so far from that. I wanted to feel love for God. I knew what it like to feel, be infatuated with a girl, right? That was already beginning to happen. <laughs> but, but my feelings for God were far from there. I felt like I was messing up all the time. I remember in Sunday school class, every Sunday school class, my Sunday school teacher would end with, with everybody, all eyes closed, heads bowed, and he asked the question. In my, in my heart, I could see the finger of God. Are you 100% committed to me? And of course, I felt like I was failed at every single time. You know, so, um, so for years and years, you know, the he- heaviness really described my, my, my walk with God. Yes, I'd have moments where I'd have breakthrough, or whatever, but, but I think the thing that changed, a lot of that changed here. Uh, there are many things that God used between, you know, um, then and when we moved here in, in 99. But two things really helped switch that in me. The first is, you know, the, uh, the understanding of what Jesus did on the cross for me. The completion of his work for me. And that he has made me righteous. He's made it. It's in like a song of Solomon says... The lover was God speaking to us as, I see no flaw in you. And I just couldn't believe that because yeah, I just look at myself. I just felt far from, far from that. But the Lord says that he's clothed us with righteousness. We've been made righteous before him. It's because of his doing. You know, I was, I was in many ways probably more like the Pharisees. In my zeal for his holiness, my zeal for his righteousness, I was, I was basically not submitting to God's righteousness. In Romans 10, this is Paul. He says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So I had to to yield and Jesus, your work on the cross is sufficient to me. You've declared that I am righteous. You are my righteousness. And I decide rather than believe my logic, I'll believe you. I'll believe in your goodness. 
Yeah, First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says, It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And elsewhere, God, Jesus is referred to as our peace. Jesus, you are my righteousness. You are my peace. I no longer try to seek righteousness based on, on my performance. My performance never had to do with outward stuff. It was always the inner performance that I always felt, felt like failed. But it's not his, my performance, it's his. So believing what he says about you, that you are his darling, that he loves you, he cherishes you, that he sees you flawless. Now the reason, and this is very important, if you're, uh, if you're going to thrive, you, can't be, you cannot be walking with the heaviness you know, uh, that the enemy would, would bring. Now, <clears throat> Ephesians 6 is a, is a chapter that talks about, about the armor of God. I'm going to go there briefly. I'm going to share how, how the armor of God works for me. I mean, how, how I put on the armor of God. Everybody does it a little bit different. I'm going to share a little bit how, how what's helped me. So, Ephesians 6. Uh, verses 13 forward says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. So what often happens is you're enjoying God, and boom, you get attacked. It's like, <laughs> you know? So that's why we're supposed to have the armor of God on. Because some, 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 sometimes you're in a season where just everything seems to be just going in groove, June, 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 then, then the day of evil. Boom, attack comes. And I'm a very much of a, I'm a, definitely an intellectual, but I'm also very much of a hard person. And, um, and God want, wants to protect my heart from all that heaviness, all that condemnation and stuff. So we're going to look at how, we'll, we'll keep on reading, see, see how, how God protects us in this way. So therefore put on the form of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. I'll read more on, but the belt of truth. I used to say, you know, I put on the belt of truth. Well, what helps me, to me, what is I, I love, I'm continuously thanking God and praising him for the truth. God, I thank you that you love me, that I'm dear to you, Thank you, Father, you're so good. Thank you, Jesus, for the price you paid. Thank you, Jesus, that what you've begun in me, you're going to complete. So I, I express truth in my thanksgiving before God. And as I, and I thank God for what's true, I'm effectively putting the belt of truth on. That's, that's, sort of, that's uh, what works for me. <clears throat> so stand... Um, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now this is the breastplate of righteousness. What does it cover? The heart. And I wasn't carrying the breastplate of righteousness. <laughs> I, was, 
I was so introspective, trying to make sure, do I do wrong? Did I confess my sin? I mean, I was so sin-focused. My eyes were not on Jesus. I wasn't truly standing on what he had done, what he accomplished for me, and the righteousness with which he clothed me. So thank you, Jesus. You can thank him. Thank you that you've clothed me with righteousness, that you are my righteousness. When we affirm his work on the cross and that we are righteous because he declared so effectively, we are protecting our heart. And we're, we're putting ourselves in the place to thrive before him. So the breastplate of righteousness. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the, from the good news of peace. So the good news that you're at peace with him because of what Jesus did for you. You need to walk that, stand on that every day. And you walk in that, in that peace, in the confidence of what he's done for you. Your feet are going to be ready. They're going to be ready to tell others of how good he is. You won't, you won't be our radiant witness if, if you're letting condemnation and guilt and thing God that you're, you know, that God's hard to please and so forth. If that's, you know, God's, uh, he's following you, fathering you in that area as well like he fathered me. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Stunning faith, confidence in him and what he has done. Your heart's protected. It's like a shield that protects you from all those flaming arrows. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So... When you're, when you affirm before God, before Jesus, that his work on the cross is sufficient for you, that it was complete, that you are saved, you're redeemed, you're his, you're beautiful, that's protecting your thoughts. That's, that's putting on the helmet of salvation. So in Thessalonians, this part of the armor of God is referred to as the, the helmet of the hope of salvation. And hope in the Greek has to do with confidence confident expectation of so also if you're going through a troubled time you know help you know you can be confident he's going to come through for you you can have that confident expe- expectation that he is going to come through you that you're safe your head he's going to protect your head in the day of battle you're going to get through this and then taking up the word of God as you can tell from the sermon I love the word of God you know it uh it's sometimes you just have to give it to him. You know, the, word, the sword here, the spirit, in, in, the, in the Greek, it wasn't these, what do you think of these sword, these long things? It was more like a dagger for up close and personal, like get, he's going after your heart. No, you, you go right after his, you know. Tome papito. That's in Spanish. <laughs> that, means, uh, that means in Spanish, like, so there, you know. <laughs> um, there's this dream I had and this is one of the switches actually was recently if God was giving more victory in this area this was probably about three months ago I, 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 I never dream, dream in Spanish 
That's why I know this was from God. And the phrase was, I better read it. Y condenarás toda lengua que se levante contra ti en juicio. And you will condemn every tongue that comes against you in judgment. You know. So it's like, God was saying, Jonathan, you've put, you, you've put up with the devil too long now. Don't give him any room. He's trying to condemn, make you feel condemned. You condemn him instead. You tell him to get out of here. There's no place for it. Because I was created to love and enjoy him. All right, we're going to end with one of my favorite passages. One of the beautiful promises. And I love it because it, it's a promise. And that's also... It, our hearts are redirected to him and his goodness. Jude 24. Jude is a one-chapter book. So Rand's saying, you know, 1 Corinthians 10, 30, you know, you, you, it's just Jude 24. To him. Oh, that phrase, to him. Oh, every time you hear to him, let your heart rise to him, loving on him. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. God, you're so good. Father, you're so good. Jesus, you're so good. Lord, I just ask if any, anyone who's heard this, Lord, has not had that encounter with you, let them know that you love them, that you understand their questions. Meet them over where they're at. I ask for your encouragement over every person here this morning, Father. Thank you for your work on the cross for us, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you you've made us righteous before you. We love you. May we be your instruments, Lord, this week to love all those you put in our path, Lord. And may you be honored in our lives, Lord. We love you. Amen. Oh, commercial break. Well... It's not commercial because this is at the end. I have two other books. So, um, so this one, In Your Name We Glory, an inspirational guide and complete reference to the names and titles of God. We have that in the bookstore. I have copies as well. Um, the, for me personally, the, one of the main ways that I connect with, with God are through his titles. So just, just the appendix of this here has a list of about 600 names and titles of God and Christ. Here's just, here's just a few, okay? Your shield. God, you're my shield. And you can just stay there for a while. Oh, God, you're my shield. Author and finisher of your faith. Oh, God. You're the author. You, can, you have permission to just stick around with that with God. So the names of God will help you just in your connection with him and your confidence in him 
as you proclaim who he is, will grow. So that's that book. And my most recent book, this one's called Enthralled Eyes, The Joy of Living Before God's Face. Um, oh, by the way, uh, this one, Daryl did the forward, our pastor. This one, Serena, she, she did the, the, the design cover. And, of course, there's uh, endorsements in there inside from Daryl Lynn as well. Um, this one is a little more on the upbeat side. Those... I was working, this took me eight years to com- complete, and most of this was written in pain when I was still struggling a lot. So there, it, 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 uh, this one was, I was beginning to come out of it. <laughs> and this was more, a little more on the triumphant side. So, God's good. I had fun. Thanks, guys. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit faithworship.org.